0: Welcome to Battle of the Mind. My name is Taylor Masusi, and I'm here to help you address your limiting beliefs, manifest your dreams into a reality, and find tools that work for you. If you're here, it means that you're ready to kick your inner critic to the curb, step into your authentic self, and find your superpower. I'm here to help you unpack your past as it reflects into the future, find and use tools to support you, and become the badass that you are. Think of this podcast as your go-to self-care formula for all things growth, empowerment, awareness, mindfulness, and so much more. I'm here to help you step into your power. If you're ready for abundance, alignment, and acceptance, then this is the right place for you. Welcome to Battle of the Mind, and let's get started in today's episode. Today's podcast guest is a very good friend of mine, and yes, another Level Up Tribe member. (laughs) I love bringing up people from the tribe, coming onto the podcast, talking about our experiences within the retreat, and unpacking their lives outside of the retreat. As I've mentioned in previous episodes with other members, we really dove headfirst, understood all the vulnerable parts of each other before we even got to understand. Stand or even know the other layers of, the, of each other, like from work and families and career and all these other things. We didn't have a full, deep understanding because we dove straight in to what's really important to us. So I really love bringing them on, again, just and unpacking their experiences and their journeys on the podcast so then you guys have such a wide variety of people The retreat really helped me step outside my comfort zone, meet people I would have never met without this retreat. And today's perspective is definitely very unique. So I'm just going to let you guys listen to how it went. Hey guys, we have Mai here. Before we get started, could you just tell the listeners who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm Mai. um, I'm 29. I currently live in Reno, Nevada. I've been here since I was about five years old. I was uh, born in Argentina, raised in Peru, and kind of going back and forth for, like, the majority of my childhood, teenage years, and then after um, my first marriage, I kind of just settled down and stopped traveling so much back and forth, but I have a career in property management. Currently, one of my side little hustles is uh, photography, Um, but yeah. That's basically my little intro.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing with me and them. To get us started, I want them to know a little bit more about where we met and we met at the Level Up Retreat, which I've talked about many, many times on this podcast now. So, what was your biggest takeaway from the retreat?
1: Um, My biggest takeaway is that um, you can really connect with Literally anyone with when you're learning about like their traumas, anything you know, small or big that they went through. Um, I genuinely went into the retreat thinking there's no way I'm going to come out with like friends. Like I'm maybe going to become with pers- uh, friends with one person, maybe even two um I was honestly, because we were all girls, I was like just gonna be drama. Like I, I was just like, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but at the same time, I was like just like expecting the worst. Yeah. But I was trying to go really just like clear head and everything like that. And we even talked about that on the way up there in the car. Mm-hmm. We're like, what do you expect? Well, we shouldn't expect anything. Just kind of <laughs> let it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I try to go in there after me and you kind of sat down in the car. I was like, you know what? Yeah, just stop overthinking it. Just let whatever happens happen. And I came out with, like, 11 new best friends. Mm. And it's wild how, like, um, and we all talked about this for, like, days afterwards. Like, (laughs) it's so wild how I know more about all you guys than some people I've known for several years. Mm -hmm. And I feel more connected to you guys than people, you know, I've known for several years that, you know, you would think I would have that kind of connection with. So it's just crazy how in those four, you know, compacted days of how much we talked, cried laughed everything in between Mm -hmm. like how like deep and connect connections we got to where we all got freaking matching tattoos (laughs) like that's insane (laughs)
0: uh Um, yes I love it I love it I love it but yeah
1: that's just how deep and like cool it is and it's just cool to see that and see what um like Cass and Tay have you know kind of manufactured that environment that we could able to create that like sisterhood and those connections and stuff and it's super cool to see
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And yeah. experience, not just see, but experience yourself.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. Like, uh it was such a life changing experience. And, um, for the listeners, like, she was the first person I met. Like, first flight by myself. She picked me from up from the airport. I was so nervous. I was texting her days before. <laughs> like, I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Um, but it was the best time life-changing experience lifelong friends and so so grateful for that so you already brought up a perfect thing with just how we started the retreat is how we're gonna start it here on the podcast (laughs) we're just gonna
1: (laughs) definitely
0: yeah dive straight into the vulnerable thing so we both have had a lot of experiences um overall with traumas and We've dived into this before on the podcast, but to bring it here, I'll start with what was the first, um, trauma experience that you had?
1: Um, so one of the very first trauma experience I've ever, that I can remember is, um, in a sense being, um, kind of, it sounds really bad, but and in, in the long run, it really wasn't, but when I was little, I was kind of stripped away from my mom at the young age of like, you know, I was like four or five. Mm. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, growing up, I thought, oh, my mom just, you know, gave me away to my grandma, even though my grandma sold it up because I am Hispanic from another country. She sold it as like, oh, she'll be better off in America. She'll have a better childhood, better upbringing, and mm. um, basically in Long story short, she promised my mom, Yeah, you'll see her soon in about six months when you get your visa. And then it wasn't that way. It took way longer to where I didn't see my mom again until I was eight. Mm
2: -hmm. So,
1: but in my mind, I didn't know all those backstage, you know, details. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, my mom just doesn't want me. Mm
2: -hmm. And then when
1: I saw her again, she had a serious relationship with my now stepdad. And then she had my little sister, and she was two. So in my head, I was eight, eight, nine ish at the time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, so she kind of, you know, just created this life without me to -hmm. replace me. So in my head, growing up all these years, I was just, like, thinking, like, wow, my mom never wanted me. And then my biological dad left my mom when she was pregnant still. So now I have this whole, like, wow, my bio dad didn't want me. Now my mom doesn't want me. Mm -hmm. And now she has, you know, this sister I have that I didn't even know about to replace me. Like, she just is playing family with another, like, you know, person. Like, it was just all, like... I guess self-inflicted trauma in a sense when I was little because then when I was older about probably I want to say 18 no sorry like 19 or 20 I kind of make a really bad joke towards my mom in in a sense Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah it's you're talking about like my childhood's like yeah because you abandoned me when I was little and I was Mm -hmm. 100% joking and she did not take it as a joke Mm -hmm. and then the next day she kind of sat me down and was like that really hurt my feelings but we never actually talked about what happened Mm. and why you know what happened and the details of you know I didn't just like oh yeah here you go like you can take your have my child or whatever um I was promised you know that you were gonna have a better future and stuff and I was gonna see you soon but everything took way longer than we thought and then Mm. we couldn't just you know put you on a plane back and forth from America to Peru America to Peru Mm -hmm. um so that's why it took so long and I didn't see you for so long but at a, a point I was like hey please send her back because it's going to take a little longer and I can't go any longer without my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I went back to Peru for probably, I want to say a year and then everything got situated. And then me my mom and my sister were able to come back together here and Mm -hmm. start, you know, a good, a nice life. And my mom got her house and stuff. And then we were able to bring my stepdad. So it all ended up being good. But that right there, I was like, wow, I never really knew like the full details in Mm -hmm. my mind. I grew up thinking my mom, you know, wasn't necessarily a bad person, but I thought she had, like, you know, just Mm -hmm. these intentions of not wanting me, and then when I tried to joke about it, because I just joke about Mm -hmm. everything all the time, um, she, it really hurt her feelings, and then that wasn't my intention, but I'm glad it kind of triggered that conversation,
2: Mm. because
1: I really don't know if I ever would have had, like, the courage to bring that up and be like, hey, can we talk about, you know, me feeling abandoned since I was Mm -hmm. little? Like, I don't think... I would have ever, I would have been like, you know what, it's in the past, I was little, it doesn't matter, I'm an adult now, like I would have kind of probably tried to brush it off, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which Mm -hmm. is a lot of the ways I've been dealing, I had been dealing with my trauma, but now um, I'm able to talk about it. And it honestly has helped me heal talking about all my traumas and kind of, you know, comparing with other people's traumas when talking about it, or Mm -hmm. even if kind of being open with my parents about, you know, childhood trauma in general, like, hey, when you guys used to do this when I was little. Um, it made me feel this way because mm-hmm. now they have my younger brother he's a teenager now mm. but like maybe kind of teach him in that sense like now that you're upbringing my brother maybe let's you know change that or you know help them kind of configure how the how they're going to raise my little brother
0: mm-hmm. yeah that is so well said of like Parents don't understand the impact they necessarily have. They're like, oh, I'm doing all the things. Like, I'm feeding you, I'm clothing you, I'm making sure you have a good life. But there's so many, like, fundamental things that they start to forget as kids, like, get older. And mm-hmm. it's like what you said of, like, you have to have the conversations with them, even if it's now, like, yes, there's nothing that, um, can change what you went through but you're trying to educate them so that the next generation meaning your siblings I have the same thing with my sister like we're trying to set them up for success so they don't experience the traumas we did type of thing
1: mm-hmm. yeah and then my mom's just and I start my mom's very emo- an emotional person mm-hmm. very very fragile mm-hmm. um bless her heart she is the sweetest person as well so it just <laughs> it's all comes full circle so I, whenever, you know, some, a conversation does get triggered, I kind of tell her like, hey, just like, you know, it's in the past, it's fine, but I just want to kind of explain mm-hmm. to you and educate you about, you know, this experience I had and how it made me feel and how we can learn from it just moving forward, even though it's, you know, years in the past now, just it helps me heal and helps me voice and it helps her be like, oh, okay, kind of realize, okay, yeah, I did that, but I can better it by doing X, Y, Z.
0: Mm-hmm. We just covered so much with, we covered some abandonment, childhood traumas, we did some generational traumas, but there's something else that came up that I would like to touch on with, you know, how you were raised, like, from, from a different culture. I don't have much experience with more cultures, so I'd love to hear, like, what it was like transitioning here, and um, even, like, going back, what was that like?
1: Yeah, so... um Definitely first, right off the bat, is, like, the language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I remember my grandma always tells me that I used to always ask why, like, girls had, like, blonde hair and blue eyes, and I didn't, and that I would always ask that I want blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And funny story behind that, my, I hated drinking milk when I was little, and my grandma was like, well, if you want, want blonde hair so bad, you got to drink your <laughs> milk, and that's how you'll get blonde hair. And, um, but just kind of, like, I've always unfortunately had that small, small insecurity, like, oh, I don't have blonde hair and blue eyes, so I'm not pretty. Mm -hmm. And it was just really bad. And I don't even know where it came from. But it Mm -hmm. was just everyone around me was, you know, Caucasian blonde hair, blue eyes, or light skinned and, you know, light eyes or any kind of that. And so in my head, I was like, oh, I'm the abnormal one. Mm
2: -hmm. And Mm
1: -hmm. then on top of that, I didn't understand them. Because at the moment, at kindergarten, I didn't speak that language. But I did apparently catch on what from what I remember and my grandma and my mom told me in six months, I learned English when wow. I was six years old. Um, so I caught on pretty quickly mm-hmm. to be able to you yeah. know, communicate and stuff. Um, but then at that point, my grandparents didn't know English. My aunts and uncles that were here didn't know much English. So then I became like the family translator in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm over here translating, you know, for my grandma at times, for my grandpa, um, for my uncle or for my aunts. Um, I had a couple aunts that did know really good English, but just always being that like person, um, like with my mom, when she also came here and then didn't know English, I had to help her with, she was going to college for, um, like ESL, like for, to learn English Mm -hmm. on her off time. So she can, you know, just better herself when, when having a job or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would help her with their homework. Like Mm -hmm. they had homework that they gave her or with like important documents for school or when she was getting her citizenship, stuff like that. So like at a young age of like, you know, nine, 11 years old, I'm over here translating legal documents for my mm. mom. It's just wild. I always saw, I always see this meme f- from like a Hispanic um, page that I follow. It's like, yeah, like as Hispanic kids that know English um, uh, have to translate like, you know, legal paperwork at the age of 12. And it's just so crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause it is true. Like I'm over here reading legal paperwork for citizenship and stuff to my mom but um apart from that nothing really too different Mm -hmm. um I know I did realize when when we were younger uh there was a lot more strictness with my family especially because it was just me my mom my sister
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we like a a good one I always like to use is my mom never let us have sleepovers Mm -hmm. I didn't have my first sleepover till I was like 17 and all my friends are like, what well, sneakovers are normal? And my mom's just very super overprotective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, always like, Oh, hey, what what if this and this happens while you're at so and so's house? Um, always very much um, you know, your room has to be super clean before you even ask about, you know, yeah. going outside. And that's even if you decide you know, I decide that you can go outside. So just a lot of strictness and stuff, but mm-hmm. in the end I'm thankful for it because it did make me like, you know, the decent human being I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, growing up, I hated it because I was like, man, my mom's so strict <laughs> right. and everything. But um, now I'm like, man, I, I feel like some kids nowadays definitely need that structure a little bit more
2: mm-hmm.
1: with mm-hmm. how um, gener- the younger generation, I feel like I sound so old when I say that. The younger <laughs> generation is like, I just see like all these little kids always like out like Walmart and running yelling around I'm like, man, when I was little, my mom would have had me like buy my ponytail <laughs> mm-hmm. if I was doing that.
0: Mm hmm. I, so the reason why that stuck out to me the most was because I recently had a experience where I was with somebody who wasn't white, they had different Mm -hmm. um, ethnicity, and we were going out and they were like, you know, I don't feel like I can be my authentic self in this area, I don't really care to be here, and I was like, wow, like, Thank you for being open and honest about that. But like that would have never registered in my head if they didn't vocalize that just because of the energy there was so predominantly white and it wasn't mm-hmm. as welcoming with um you know, just showing up, being the loud, colorful, like doing whatever you want to do type of thing. And it just really yeah. stuck out to me and I was like, "Wow, like I want to get more exposure with more people hearing their experiences." Um So now that you're older, have you had any experiences that stuck out to your mind um, where you had a shift like that for somebody else where you witnessed them being like, oh, wow, that never clicked in my mind until you said something to them?
1: Yeah. So I honestly, um, unfortunately, even though it's getting better now in 2022, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, racism is still very much alive, unfortunately. And it's really sad to say, but um, I have a couple friends that they have. They lived in what's Fernley, which would be about half an hour outside of Reno. Mm-hmm. It's known as a very conservative, quote unquote, hillbilly town. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of my Hispanic um, gay friends. Mm-hmm. And they moved from California to there because the housing was cheaper there a couple years ago. And um, they had to move because of all how uncomfortable they would feel going to just like Walmart there, mm-hmm. and how uncomfortable they would feel just being out and about. Because there's so many, like, white, conservative, just, like, super-duper, just
2: mm-hmm.
1: podunk, hillbilly people out there that would just yeah. make them feel so uncomfortable. And look, on top of just being Hispanic, they're gay, and um just seeing them, like, hold hands at Walmart, they, uh, they would get super, like, dirty looks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they felt so out of place that they moved more into Reno, where mm-hmm. it's, you know, more diverse and definitely mm-hmm. more inclusive and things like that but just like that's just half. it's crazy how different it's just half an hour away from Reno
2: mm-hmm. um
1: yeah like I recently went to the last couple of times I've gone to Utah um just being you know Hispanic and having like a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. and things like that I definitely get like very weird looks mm-hmm. um if I have like you know my tattoo showing and stuff right. like that and Utah's very no, known for a very like Mormon state so mm-hmm. um just from From being, you know, Hispanic and tattooed, Um, I get a lot of weird looks. And it was in the summer, so I'm wearing, like, a tank top and shorts and stuff like that. And I'm tattooed everywhere. So I just get, like, the most weird looks, unfortunately. Um, And then, what else? Um, Yeah, I've just gone to places where it's more, you know, quote, unquote, white people accepting than Mm -hmm. anything else so there's places in reno where it's like oh yeah we don't go there because that's like the white part of reno Mm -hmm. or we stay we don't go towards that area because you know we get dirty looks and things like that so um i've definitely considered i've experienced that with my parents Mm -hmm. too even nowadays even Mm -hmm. though they they both speak like really good english you still have somewhat of an accent so -hmm. i've experienced some people like oh i don't understand you. Are automatically just assuming, oh, they need a Spanish speaker helper when my mom can easily still speak English and get by and mm-hmm. if she needs help with something. So just that kind of and maybe it's not like, you know, racism on purpose, but it's kind of like an automatic like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, they're Hispanic or they're brown. Yeah, they're going to they're not going to know how to speak English. So mm-hmm. still till this day, I still experience that, unfortunately, especially being a woman in my um, position. I am of uh, being a manager and things like that. I still get mm-hmm. spoken like that by like men at times and i kind of be like no you know i'm the one that calls the shots around here mm-hmm. like yeah i am a hispanic woman but i am the one that you know is in charge of this this and this mm-hmm. um so yeah just being like tattooed a woman and hispanic it's kind of like a triple threat of being mm-hmm. you know kind of just treated differently unfortunately
0: mm-hmm. yeah i agree unfortunately this is the, this is the world we live in and this is the decisions people love choose to engage in um so with these experiences that you've had what is your go-to thing that you tell yourself to you know ignore the haters and just keep showing up to live like your life
1: I just like at this point, unfortunately, again, it's more um, I'm kind of numb to it. Mm. I'm like, it is like, unfortunately, the world we live in. So but if it gets, you know, a little out of hand, I do speak up Mm -hmm. like, hey, like, you know, that wasn't cool or that wasn't nice or something like that. I get a little bit more defensive when it's towards my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm with my parents, especially with my mom and someone decides to say something rude or think, you know, that she won't understand they say something about her. I definitely like speak up because then people if you don't say anything kind of brush it off and try to ignore them then people will think it's like oh I got away with it it's okay like mm-hmm. people need to know that it's not okay to think that way or you know speak out lot just be rude in general mm-hmm. that, that way regardless um your the color of your skin or what language you speak it's just try to be as nice as possible you never know what someone's going through or what they've mm-hmm. been through or anything mm-hmm. like that that's just the way I look at it but for the most part i try to like ignore it and just again i'm numb to it but if it gets out of hand i'll definitely speak up
0: i think that's a perfect challenge to end that topic with is when you see something wrong and inappropriate yeah say, say something, something. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah if i ever um so one thing i really like um is if i see like another hispanic person Uh like struggling with with talking to someone in English, I'll step in, I'll be like, hey, I can help you translate. And I can, Mm. you know, translate for you help you and the look of relief on people's faces is Mm. just so wild. And Mm. it makes me feel like, almost kind of like a language superhero in a sense, like, hey, I'm you know, because I've been there before, like taught with that language barrier. It's Uh like, I haven't felt in a while, but I'm sure it sucks. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're helpless and having someone be able to, you know, actually come by and be like, "Okay, oh, hey, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to help you because mm-hmm. I can speak both languages." Mm-hmm. Or when someone comes into my establishment, my office, or anything, trying to speak English to me, um, and then I realize they're Hispanic, or and so I automatically ask them in Spanish, like, "Hey, are you comfortable speaking in Spanish? Would that make you feel better?" Mm-hmm. Just the look of like. kind of like a Mm -hmm. weight off their shoulders like yes thank you like you know it's like it's uncomfortable for them to try to like speak Mm -hmm. and try to communicate when it's a challenge for them
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um so I like that's my my little I call my little superpower of like Mm -hmm. you know just helping people like kind of take that weight off their shoulders because it's that look of relief they get is just like everything
0: yeah the word that came to my Mm -hmm. mind when you were speaking was superpower so the fact that you said it yourself I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for sharing the insight there i I love to hear it, and i am so happy that we got to bring this topic up onto the podcast um so shifting a little bit into more well recent years, which we were just in, but um I know you have some experience within abusive relationships, and um I really want to know more of. How did you know when enough was enough?
1: So with my marriage, um, I was with my partner at the or my husband at the time um, for twelve years in total. So we were high school sweethearts, and then after we um, turned eighteen, we were kind of off and on a little bit. I went to college. He decided to go into the army, which was fine. But I at the time I told him, "Look, I'm not going to be you know that army wife." Um, I don't want to, you know, have to follow you around. I was very, like, very, like, strong, headstrong, like, I want to do my thing, and I don't want anyone to call the shots for me. Mm -hmm. If I want to go here, I don't want to have to follow you, basically. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. So we went off to, like, base camp and stuff, and we kind of still, like, kept in contact. And then, um, love won, and I was like, you know what? I guess I'm okay with following you. It's fine. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Uh, we got engaged, and then um, literally the day before we got married, uh, I found out that he had cheated on me and got another girl pregnant that was also in his, um, like, battalion, and we were about to move to Texas, where he was stationed, and me, being 18 and stupid, um, was like, you know what, maybe it's not yours, maybe she's just lying, we won't know until it's born, we'll do a paternity test, it's fine, you know, mm. I'm just, I'm not gonna call off the wedding on what ifs, it's fine didn't tell my parents his parents knew because they kind of had to know but we but i knew my parents would have told would have definitely probably held me down physically to not get married or go to texas if they found out hence being hispanic and very strict mm-hmm. i was already surprised that they were okay with me getting married but i know if dean knew that he had gone another girl pregnant they 100 would have like tackled the freaking pastor <laughs> yeah. at the altar or something like like This is not happening. You're not going to Texas or anything like that. So we begged his parents, like, please don't say anything. They wanted to tell my parents, but we were like, please don't say anything. We'll tell them when the time is right. So six months into living into Texas, when Pence baby is born, I'm like, well, we can't really hide it now because baby is here. So Mm -hmm. a month or so before that, I told my parents, they were just really disappointed. They're like, why would you put yourself in that position? And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm an adult now. Mm -hmm. Um, um, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. we'll take care of it from here. We'll, we're just gonna, you know, deal with it basically. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, I didn't know at the time, but they were still kind of messing around. And then probably six months after baby was born is when she was like, Hey, look, it's either me and the baby or your wife. And he was like, it's my wife. Cause we were still very young. We were like 19 or 20 years old.
2: Mm -hmm. He was like,
1: it's my wife. So she kind of moved away. We didn't see baby for probably about six years. Mm -hmm. And then um, by that time we had moved back to Reno, he was at the army. We had a quote unquote normal civilian life
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and something in me for a couple of years just felt really off. I felt like
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, a void in me. And I knew it was because we hadn't had children yet. And I really like one of my biggest dreams in life was to be a mom Mm -hmm. and I'm just I have very a tough time with getting pregnant and things like that so I would all I would never be able to fall asleep knowing he has a kid out there and that we're not doing anything about it and I'm not any better by not you know kind of helping him do something about it Mm -hmm. because I'm just as bad as him if I'm also ignoring the kid and not his wife Mm -hmm. but I told him like hey like now that we're you know out of the army back back home in Reno and all that why don't we go and try to find um Baby, Mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, yeah, I think I'm on board, but I don't think she will be on board, hence her past actions. Mm -hmm. So I told him, why don't you let me take a wrangle of everything? Because he had like a lot of anxiety around it. I was like, why don't you let me try to contact her, all you know, get everything together and whatnot, the paternity test, because he still wanted to make sure it was definitely his. And surprisingly enough she I found her on Facebook I was like hey I know this is weird that I'm contacting you when it's been so many years but we want to be in baby's life and um will you let us meet you in Utah and that's where she had moved to and you know do a paternity test and kind of like you know start a relationship with baby and go from here before she gets any older Mm -hmm. she was super on board with it everything went well paternity test came back positive um everything went good and then a few months down the road she contacts me and, um, or contacts me and my husband at the time and was like, hey, um, I want to move to Reno so you guys are closer to baby and mm-hmm. we can, and I just want a new life. I don't want to be in Utah anymore. Um, the Mormon life and stuff around us, they're not Mormon, but just the hmm. life around them is really yeah. toxic. That's what, how mm-hmm. she described it. She wants just a, a more inclusive city to live in. And I was like, yeah, but I immediately had like a wall up because of the past, oh, you right. know, just relationship they had and I was like yes I would love that because I would make our life way easier than having to travel eight plus hours and having to go back and forth and whatnot but I immediately told her if you stay in your lane
2: mm-hmm. like if
1: mm-hmm. 100% like history doesn't repeat itself if you know this is strictly a co-parenting thing and you really tru- truly want to start a new life I'm open for it and she immediately was like, yes, of course, I would never, like, do that. I'm not even, I don't even see him like that anymore. He's strictly just, you know, co-parenting 100%. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. Two weeks into her moving here, I find out he cheats on me again with her. Mm. So I was like, okay, listen. <laughs> this is literally history repeating itself. Right. Um, And then I had heard rumors from his uh mm-hmm. his mom and his family and his sister that she was pregnant again and i was like okay this is where it stops because apparently i'm not the one you want to be with apparently even after six years i'm not seeing this woman you still really want to be with her and have kids with her and are okay with that so this is where it ends mm-hmm. and surprisingly enough he was like okay yeah we're good cool and within two days he moved out moved in with her um you know, just basically start a whole new life within two days. And I always say, and I talked about this today, actually, which is coincidental. Um, no one talks about like, even if you ask for a divorce, I'm the one that asked for it. It still really hurts no mm-hmm. matter which party asked for it or how it goes down. Right. It's still really freaking hurts because that's when you realize, oh, wow, these 12 and you know, years together, six years married, never really meant anything. Mm-hmm. Like you really always just wanted to be with this person, build a family with them. And um, for me, it was like, wow, I'm really glad that you were able to move on so quickly. I'm really glad that, you know, our relationship meant nothing or from what, because it started and ended literally the same exact way with the same exact person. Right. right. And it was just really wild to see kind of like just history literally repeating itself. Mm -hmm. And, um, but at the same time, it was, it was really a little bit of a rough patch. And then I hadn't been single in 12 years. So the training life back in, you know 2006 2007 versus 2018 was very different mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. now I'm trying to learn how to use gender I'm trying to <laughs> learn how to like flirt again and like just talk to the opposite gender in general right. um in that manner you know or try to you know just come out and be myself because I've always had a partner and I've always had that same person to lean on and have to run things by and now I'm like holy crap I can make my own choices and that was right. a little scary but at the same time, really freeing. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to kind of find myself again um, and kind of let things, you know, happen. And I told myself I'm going to heal and I'm going to try to mm-hmm. just move forward with my new, literally brand new life because I mm-hmm. had not been seeing one in so long. All I knew was either army life or married life and just always had someone there. Um, and just so that's when I was like, enough is enough. I have to come mm-hmm. out of this, even though it's all I ever knew. And it was scary, I still did it. And I was like, I hadn't done it before because I knew for a long time we weren't really gonna be good together. Because right. I was like, well, what if what if what's my family gonna say? What is his family gonna say?
2: Yeah.
1: I've always been that in that mindset of like one marriage, yeah. never more than one marriage. If uh if, if it doesn't work, you gotta make it work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But at that point when I saw him, just not even two weeks after she moved. Torino just literally do it all over again I'm like okay yeah no this is not gonna work because obviously you don't care about that manner so
0: so that's what I knew (laughs) what um to bring us kind of to a close what tip do you have for people who are kind of going through an experience where they have to make the decision to um have a divorce and how to find themselves again
1: Uh, definitely again it's gonna seem very scary Mm -hmm. and it is scary and it's gonna hurt a lot but it's not gonna last forever Mm -hmm. and the light of like I would want to put it like the light at the end of the tunnel after going through all that hurt and all that um confusion and you know trying to find yourself again or trying to be independent is going to be so much more worth it Mm -hmm. and it's going to be just the best feeling ever of being independent even if you have kids like you know just the kids seeing their mom happy again or Mm -hmm. um, your friends seeing you happy again and just, you know, trying to find yourself. Because unfortunately when you are married and for such a long time or just with the same person, you kind of do become one person. And one, you know, Mm -hmm. all your decisions are made together and things like that. So coming out and kind of separating from that is a really rough patch. But at the end, it's a huge, like, light at the end of the tunnel and it's going to be worth it for sure. Mm,
0: Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable. I would love for you to share with the listeners how they can get connected with you.
1: Yeah, so I have uh, my photography page. It's Maya Photography on Instagram. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not just for t- photography. Anyone can talk to me on there and just exchange stories or anything they need.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you. Of course. Yeah, I loved learning more about the experiences people have it just always opens my eyes and widens my perspective and awareness on things that other people go through and growing up you know I had mentioned this in the episode but again I just want to say like I did not have exposure to different cultures and different ethnicities of people like my scope was very small like I knew a few different people um, from different areas of life, but mainly I was surrounded by people who were so similar to me, and I'm so happy now that I've been able to s- expand and grow the different types of relationships and experience different cultures and see all the things that I didn't growing up. and. I just think this was such a beautiful episode being able to see somebody from a different culture and hear about their experience, you know, especially like not being raised, um, not being born in America and then coming here like that. Those stories are always so interesting to me. And I love that because aren't we all just doing the same exact thing? We all came here. So I am so just grateful for this conversation. And I challenge all of you to step outside your comfort zone and meet people you would have never met before. You never know the type of people that you're going to meet until you go out and try to meet new people. Sign up for a group. Um, Maybe it'll be a Facebook group or something in your community and go to a gathering, coffee chats, like step outside your comfort zone I cannot stress that enough it's going to help you grow so much and you're going to experience amazing things after that thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of battle of the mind please keep in mind if you did enjoy this episode please let me know you can leave a review you can screenshot And share to your socials and tag me so that I can see the impact it's making for you. You can just slide into my DMs on any of my socials. The links will be in the description. I would love to get connected with you and hear how these episodes are making an impact in your life. Again, just thank you so much for bringing me along in your day. I appreciate you. I am grateful for you. And I'm excited for you to make these shifts for yourself so that you can create a life you love if you would like more support in any of the things we're talking about on the podcast please feel free to visit the website it is www.tthelevelupcoach.com there are so many goodies there for you guys I have quick easy accessible downloads for you guys from affirmations to mantras so much more please use those. They are created for you to support you and help you create a alignment with yourself, create an abundance in your life, and to accept yourself as you are. I am sending you so much love this week, and I cannot wait for the next episode. Until then, bye!